Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hey guys, thank you for joining us here on the Rob and Wheelhouse Show, the best Astros podcast ever. Uh, tonight, I was joined by James Weir. We talked about Grinky and Bregman and how great they've done. We uh, talked about the uh, long and hard road trip that the Astros had, uh, three time zones in these uh, three road trip series, uh, pretty rough. Uh, James Weir is going to tell you why you shouldn't be talking bad about the Astros bullpen. And also, James and I talked about the uh, giveaways, a little bit of talk about the giveaways at the end. So sit back and relax and enjoy the uh, Rob and Wheelhouse show with James Weir. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rob and Wheelhouse Show. Uh, Today, I will be joined by James. Uh, We all know you love to hear his comments and his uh, baseball knowledge is uh, top notch. Uh, Wheelhouse isn't here. Like I said before, we're going to do a two-man show. James, how you doing? Welcome back to the podcast, sir. Oh, great. Great. Uh, I'm doing great. This a fantastic end to the weekend. Finally getting a win over the Oakland A's. It's always a nice way. Okay, so the uh, the Astros struggled. The Astros struggled a lot. It was three series, three road trips, three time zones. What do you think the effect on the uh, on the road trip had on the Astros? And you think that had something to do with them struggling? Uh, I I mean I do. I mean, if there's anybody that ever travels anywhere, you realize that it may not seem like it, but a flight can take it out of you um, and just drain you of all energy and Especially, so we started out in Baltimore. Um, Astros go on this massive tear on the second uh, game of that three-game series, winning twenty-three to two. Then they lose seven to eight on a um, on a ridiculous pitch uh, thrown by Osuna. Then they fly over into Chicago and they drop two of three, and then they land in Oakland a day later, starting on Thursday, and go for a four-game road trip. I mean these these time zones and these flights are definitely affecting these players. And I think that's why sometimes they came out a little bit lethargic out the gate. So uh, do you, how much, well, also on this road trip, they had the rain out and a double header. So not only did you have three series and three time zones, you also had to play a double header and uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we also had the injury to Garrett Cole uh that was tuesday the second game he pulled himself out and that certainly didn't help our road trip either no it didn't and uh i mean a double header is always rough on a ball player especially uh when you have you know guys going basically nine inning, uh, nine innings on a first game and then coming in only an hour later to start a second leg of that same game getting an hour break like it it's never good you're not going to see some guy hit four for four in the game one and then come out and hit the same in in game two and when you have somebody like nova who's already a solid pitcher you know carve up the astros you could tell in the box that these guys were kind of they're tired you know they were sleepwalking through that second game yeah he definitely looked like a cy young winner in that second game uh actually his stats did i was at work so i was working nights um so after what day was that but uh diaz I don't know if that was Saturday or he uh, fouled a ball off his knee or his shin. Now he's going to be on the IL. Do you know what corresponding moves the Astros made to cover that up? 
Yeah, they're going to be recalling Cy Sneed, which is a bullpen uh, guy, uh, calling him up. They also called up or activated Brad Peacock from the 10-day injured list. So that's also going to bring down uh, Armenteros. So we're looking at two fresh arms that are going to be, you know, a nice addition to a bullpen that's already struggling. Yeah, I think we desperately need him. And uh, we're really missing Peacock, I believe. Because uh, if he was, he would have been healthy. He could have pitched in these games instead uh, instead of calling up Armontero. So uh, he'll play a big role in, down the line in injuries. So so the Astros leave Baltimore after that eight to seven loss, a heartbreaking loss, and they go to Chicago. Uh, they win the first game six to two. Uh, Grinky started that game. He takes his record at 12 and four. How did Grinky look in that game? Oh man, he looked great. Uh, you know, seven hits given up in six innings, six strikeouts to parrot. Uh, he only, it only took him 102 strikes to get through the game, 63 of which were strikes. It was just, it was exactly what we called Grinky over here for. And, you know, coming in as a number three on all teams, that's number two, number one stuff right there. Um, and, you know, you just look at an Astros lineup. It's it's just solidifying every single time Granky comes out and takes down uh, what this pitching staff has to offer come October. Yeah, so you were saying, game two, you've got the guys sleepwalking, and to add insult to injury, you lose uh, Garrett Cole that game, and they start – and they uh, – so you're going to try to win the second game of a doubleheader – starting Chris Davinsky. Yeah, and, you know, full credit to Chris. I know he's kind of the new Tyler White, if you will. Everything has to be blamed on Chris Davinsky. Full credit to him right. to actually coming out and, and pitching decently for a start or for an opener, if you will. Normally an opener only goes one inning and then you throw out, you know, a guy who can take up four innings. Um, if it wasn't for his fielding error, then, I mean, that's a solid outing by Davinsky. Uh, take away the error, you're looking at possibly two innings of uh, not giving up a run and passing it over to Biagini. So, you know, full credit to him going out, but still, it still weighs on him. The dude is struggling left and right this whole year. He can come out and have one good inning, but then the next inning he comes out and he just looks lost. He looks like he belongs in AAA. Yeah, so regardless whether he had a good inning or not, no offense for the Astros in that lethargic game two. Four hits, six out of nine Astros went hitless. So you, they only had, uh, what was it, four hits? And Springer went two for four. Mm-hmm. One guy gets half the hits in the game. You're not going to win that way. Absolutely not. And then if you also look, uh, I mean, all Astros, they left seven base runners uh, in scoring position that game. Nobody could move anybody over. And, you know, Nova was great. His ground outs, he had nine ground outs the entire game. So you're looking at a guy who is pitching effectively, pitching down in the zone and keeping away from the strengths of the Astros, which is anything that's belt high, they're going to drive it. Uh, Nova kept it low, kept it slow. And, I mean, look at his strikeouts. He only went, he only struck out three players. So it's not like he had nasty stuff. He just knew how to effectively pitch around this team that was already lethargic from already having to play about four hours to three hours, the, you know, an hour before this game. So. Right. So after the doubleheader, uh, they play game three Wednesday. Astros looking for Wade Miley to come through, and he ends up not even lasting four innings, three and a third, nine hits and seven runs, but only three were allowed. So apparently there was some uh, errors going on that game. Yeah, there was a couple of errors by Gurriel. It was a weird game all the way around. Very uncharacteristic of a lot of players in this game. Gurriel not being able to field, uh, making an error there. Miley making the same same play, making a throwing error. Um, and then not even being able to last uh, four innings, actually. He only went three and one-third. Uh, giving yep. up nine hits and a total of seven runs. Only three of them were earned. But still, I mean, the dude was not on his A game at all. And then add to insult to injury, you have Ryan Presley. Astros, you know, all credit to them, battle back. But 
Presley at the very uh, last bit of the game gives up a grand slam or walk up walk off grand slam. Yeah, Altuve at homered in the top of the eighth to tie things up. Presley comes in three hits and then four runs, like you said, off of that grand slam. Uh, he's been struggling a little bit too, but overall, he's. I mean, he's still the guy I would rely on the most coming out of that pen. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, and a lot of – I have a real big issue with, like, some of the you know, armchair GMs that have come out lately, um, you know, screaming that Osuna be taken out of the closer role and Ryan Presley, you know, comes in. I don't think anybody understands the pressure it takes to be a closer and to be a great closer. Like everybody wants people to come out and they want them to be Billy Wagner, you know, one, two, three, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. If you don't do that, you suck and that you belong somewhere else, take them out, whatever. But all throughout the season, Osuna minus this last month has been so effective that it, I mean, like once it became Presley Osuna, that was it. The seventh inning rolls around, you're done. So just because yeah. he has like one or two, one bad month in the middle of the dog days of summer, like to me, that doesn't equate that he's terrible. In the month of, what is it? In the month of August already is his worst month by far with his uh, 579 ERA. The only bad month before that was July. And he, that's when he had a 422 ERA. Through 10 innings, he gave up five runs. Ever since then, you're looking at, uh, you know, going 14 innings, seven innings like that, only giving up one run. So to, to sit there and say that Osuna doesn't belong as the closer is just insanely ridiculous to me. And to have Presley 8, Osuna 9, you can't, that right there is a one-two punch that is uncomparable to anybody else out there. Maybe the Yankees have a chance of saying that they have something with like, you know, David Robinson or whoever their eighth guy is. I, I, I don't think Robinson's on that team anymore. I think he's on the Phillies. But whoever their eighth yeah. guy is with uh, – Bellatansis or somebody like that. I don't yeah, Bellatansis, Britton, you know, uh, Ottavino, um, any of those guys coming out at eight and then going into nine with Chapman, you could probably say that's the only other bullpen. But, yeah, I mean, Presley uh, Osuna, you're looking at the best back end of the rotate or, you know, bullpen out there. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I remember in the – I don't know how many years ago, but uh, it was probably in the Giles uh, – I'm trying to think of that pitcher's name that used to close, but he couldn't throw very fast, but he was effective. For uh, for the Astros? Yeah. Hmm. I can see his face. But anyway, th- there was a time when the Astros were flipping people around, and they actually uh, – used Will Harris in the closing role, and he couldn't do it. I mean, yep. it takes a certain kind of person to handle that pressure of being a closer, and you don't even know if Ryan Presley has that. Exactly, and that that's also kind of like the point that I wanted to make is that, like, I saw some people out there saying, like, well, give me Giles again. Give me that. And it's just like, point in case, and I don't want to keep – I don't like bringing it up because I'm sure he's just a competitive, fiery guy. But when you have a guy that gives up the lead – in the ninth inning and then goes and like punches face on the way to the dugout. That to me says that you can't handle the pressure. When you see guys like Osuna give up the lead and he like looks down and kind of just shrugs it off. That to me, maybe to the casual fan, he's just like, Oh, I can't believe it. They, he's not affected by it. He shouldn't be because at that point in time, that's your job to shake it off and to go and attack the next, you know, hitter. If you're going to sit there and get rattled and start getting upset and start getting pissed off and, you know, rant and rave while you're on the uh, the mound, that's only going to affect your delivery and affect what you're doing moving forward. And you're going to give up more runs and you're not going to become what people want to be called the quote-unquote stalwart be, uh, closer. I think Osuna has all that. I am very much pro-Osuna and I'm very much pro-Presley. But kind of what leading back to what you just said – I don't think Presley has that. I think Presley is the best eight inning guy out there. And I think moving him to the ninth inning would be detrimental to the, uh, to the chemistry that both those pitchers have with the team. Yeah. I think on a, about not the last podcast, but the one wheelhouse and Corey did, I think Corey made a statement about uh, Giles 
how good he's doing, but he's not in the, he's not under any pressure. And Absolutely. it's the pressure. The pressure is what it is. That's what makes being a closer hard. That's exactly right. I mean, that when you are the closer, the one caveat that nobody prepares you for is the fact that if you don't get this done, you've lost whatever the starting well, first off, whatever the starting pitcher's done. So say you go out there and, you know, Verlander throws a gem of 14 strikeouts, seven innings, no hits, no runs, blah, blah, blah. Presley comes in and he gives up, you know, a game tying home run. And then you guys battle back. You get the lead again. And Osuna comes in and he gives up the game winning home run. Nobody understands how much those guys feel when they let their team down. You know, the casual fan wants to sit there and just be like, oh, I can't believe it. These guys suck, blah, blah, blah. It's like that they have a ton of weight on their shoulders. And to go out there and say like, oh, well, just throw out Will Harris. Just throw out, you know, Presley. Just throw out this. That Those players that you guys think are going to get the job done are pitching in the sixth inning. They're pitching in the fifth inning. They're pitching with no pressure around them. Osuna has the weight of the baseball team on his shoulders, and I'm sure sometimes they're going to give up, you know, they're going to blow a save. But the dude has been consistently elite at the closer level. And to take him out of that role and to suggest otherwise is just ridiculous to me. Yeah, he's been doing it his whole career, so he knows what's going on. Uh, but let's talk about our other, well, not our other, but Osuna's not too new, but Sanchez. He was a part of the no-hitter. And then I believe he gave up one run, but Thursday, uh, five and a third, seven hits, six runs. He gave up four runs in the fourth inning. So not a great outing for Sanchez in the opener against the A's. Not at all. And I think that's what we saw what Sanchez was in that game in Toronto. We saw everything that the Toronto fan base, you know, came to know about Sanchez, about how good he could be. And then this game was the, you know, Jekyll to his hide. This was the other side of Sanchez that we as Astros fans like to imagine maybe would never pop up again. But this is, this is the thing with a number five. I mean, come out and you throw a no hitter as a number five. Everybody loves you. You come out and you throw six runs. I mean, are we, are we expecting aces every single time that we go out there? No. But six runs is a lot for a number five. Yeah. I, I really didn't hear anybody or read anything about people talking bad about Sanchez. Because personally, I don't really expect a whole lot out of the fifth guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe come in and win every other game. You know, give us a chance. Because we are actually tied. We are actually in the game. I mean, he gave up six runs, but the offense was there until Devo our boy Devo gave up a solo home run in the bottom of the eighth. You mm. lose seven to six, but we were in the game. Yeah, and that's true. And, you know, a lot. I, let me dial it back. I don't think anybody's really talking crap about Sanchez. I think everybody is along the same lines of, like, we're not really anticipating him being Verlander. But, you know, it, it is what it is when you get Sanchez, some guy who works at a high-velocity rate and he throws for strikes, that's his, that's his MO. He's a power pitcher, so he's going to, you know, pepper that strike zone with fastballs. And uh, the Angels, or I mean the Athletics, you know, they caught up to it. They, they knew what was yeah. coming, and as evident with Chapman and Olsen having two home runs each that game. Um, but also on the Devo side, again, struggles. And the guy is just, I feel bad for him because I know what Devo can do, and I still think that there is something wrong with him. Maybe he's tinkered with his delivery a little bit, or maybe his pitch selection, or maybe he's even hurt and he's just not telling anyone. But the guy cannot stay consistent. Yeah, going back to the Aaron Sanchez thing, mm-hmm. um, here's what I see. When we traded for him, his win-loss record, and you know, there's people that will argue – that win-loss record doesn't mean anything, and it could not mean anything in his case. But we picked up a guy that was 2-14, and 14, I believe, and he's won two out of the three games he's pitched. So, I mean, I don't have a problem with him at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he came from a team that basically had rookies playing behind him because, you know, Toronto's on that huge kick of basically revitalizing their entire system. Um, yep. So, 2-14, and 14, I don't even 
I, I would have expected more losses from Sanchez because of the way he pitches. So I think moving forward, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have any lower expectations of what I have already. Um, I, from, from a standpoint as a fan, what I expect Sanchez to do is exactly what I expect Peacock to do. And that's to come out, eat up some innings, at least go six, uh, six innings. I don't care how many strikeouts you have, but just keep it low. The six is on the high side, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if, you know, he came in six innings and gave up four runs. That to me yeah. would be a fine game. Yeah. So Friday, so all during the week, I have to pay attention to the game on my watch. And I actually turned off the alert when they switch pitchers. I only got the scoring change now. And uh, so I got an alert in the sixth inning. And then I got no more alerts. And I didn't know what was going on. And I said, either my phone isn't sending the alerts to me or they're in like the 13th inning. And I go to break at 1.15 in the morning and it is the 13th inning. Mm-hmm. And then we get beat. We lose the game while I'm at break. <laughs> so is it my that, fault we went to break? I th- you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to blame you on that one. You shouldn't have gone to break. You should have just kept working through it. So let me tell you this. We have a lot of people, a lot of Twitter keyboard warriors, what y'all call them. Uh, Verlander goes seven innings. He gave up two of the three runs. So the bullpen did good. They went five and two-thirds inning. And then they gave up one run, and that was Sneed in the 13th inning. So overall, we, we lost Friday. But overall, I'm pleased with the pitching. Maybe not the offense. I don't know who was pitching for the A's. Was it uh, is they that their, when? They had their big guns come out. They had Diekman and Trevino and Soria come out, uh, as well as training. What game did uh, Mike Fire start? Was that Friday uh, or Thursday? I believe that was the Thursday game, the one that we, okay. you know, had the home run derby with. Oh, okay. So we did good. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm the bullpen. A lot of people are saying we have the worst bullpen. They have the dumpster fire, uh, gifs or whatever rolling down the street. But that was a good game. That was a good game for the bullpen. And see, that's the other thing too. That like when when I see those kind of things, like our bullpen is not a dumpster fire. When you look at, take this game particular, take an example, the f- four of the f- uh, six guys that we threw out after Verlander are our top guys. You have Presley, who has a 261 ERA, Osuna, who dropped his down to 298, Harris, 172, and of all people who's surprising me, Joe Smith, sitting at a 164 ERA. Like, that's not a dumpster fire. I don't know where these dumpster fires come from, and I, I swear it goes back to my later, you know, my earlier com- comments about ha- having people that don't understand the pressure of being a closer. But that game right there just proves to me how solid this bullpen is. You know, we might have lost the game off of somebody like Cy Snead, but Cy Snead's not going to be coming in for the Astros in a later game in October. You're going to have guys that are more well-rounded and more well-versed on keeping a game together. You might even th- see like Peacock come out or, or a previous starter come out in that situation. But I mean, in a game, in a meaningless game in August, like that was some solid bullpen work from our guys. So let me ask you this. Um, do you think that there's added pressure on the bullpen when they come in when they come in and follow Verlander going seven innings and, you know, you think there's any added pressure that they don't want to blow the game for a certain pitcher. I know none of them want to lose. I know that. But do you think there's added pressure when it's Verlander? I wouldn't even say it's probably added pressure. I think to them, they see Verlander as the general and they want to follow the general in the battle. So I think um, if anything, they want to, they want to make him proud. So I guess you could say maybe pressure, proud, same, you know, same difference. But uh, I would say when you have guys like Verlander come out and start a game and do what he did with 11 strikeouts and seven innings, only giving up two runs, as a player following that act, if I'm Presley, if I'm Osu, I'm Harris, if I'm walking out to that mound, my initial thought is, okay, let's keep the train going. 
it's not you know oh i I hope i don't throw like a home you know a cutter down the center of the plate that's a fat one and somebody hits it over the thing no i think to them it's more or less like let's follow what you know verlander's done let's keep the train rolling let's keep it going and if you look at those guys presley osuna harris smith none of them gave up hits after they came in they came in became dominant struck out their guys I mean, through four innings, they struck out seven guys. That's that's almost two two strikeouts every single inning. So it's just crazy how much a guy like Verlander or Cole and, you know, to a certain extent, Granke, what those guys' presence and the method of work on the field that they do, how that helps the bullpen guys coming out of the pen. Okay, so we go to Saturday's game. I told you earlier when we were talking before the podcast that this may have been the third time or maybe even only the second time that I've legitimately been pissed off while watching a game. Mm -hmm. Um, But some things you need to realize, and even though I did realize them, uh, Friday we had the 13-inning game. We're on this long uh, road trip when our third time zone of the road trip you have the Garrett Cole injury which leads to Armontero starting so you've got a triple a guy starting you've got no Garrett Cole and the bullpen is completely taxed mm-hmm. but taking all that into consideration when he came out in the third inning and gave up five runs and they weren't even warming anybody up. I was mad. I was mad. Like you're not, if you're not even going to try to win, why should I sit here and watch this? Yeah. And it's very hard as a fan to do that because I was in the same boat. I mean, you say you watch these games every single day, but like the next day when you watch, you know, the second game, say you're watching the entire athletic series and then you come in on Saturday and you see this, you forget who's pitched the day before and you forget that these bullpen guys, their arms are not made to constantly come out every single day to be, you know, as dominant as they are. It takes a toll on your body as a pitcher. So I hate to say it, but as a, as a manager, if you're sitting there and you see that your entire bullpen has been taxed the way that it has, you know, throughout leading back, like you're saying all the way to Baltimore, you kind of got to leave the guy in trial by fire almost. And, yeah. you know, who else are you? in my mind when I was getting upset and watching this, I had to take a breath and be like, who else are they going to throw out there? I mean, the only other guy that was fresh was Davinsky. And who did they throw out after Armenteros? Davinsky. And what happened to Davinsky? Got shelled. <laughs> yeah. Three runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I took that into consideration. But the Astros... They were actually – it's like they would – the Astros would score and tie the game up, and every time they scored, the A's would score. And then at the end, they just scored more, and they lost 8-4. to But they had a chance to win. Mm -hmm. And I was was upset. I was mad. But just like you, even though I know the reasons why they left them in, I know all of this, it still made me mad. I mean, I can't help but be mad because it just – you can see the look on A.J. Hinch's face – in the dugout, when he leaves him out there, he puts him back in. He's just like, what, what do you want me to do? Well, yeah, and I mean, like, I wouldn't – I don't even blame fans to get mad at certain situations like that because you want to see your team to win. You know, you want to see them come out and compete every single day and not basically wave the white flag before we've even thrown the first pitch and say, hey, you know what, sorry, we don't have the, the right guys, so we're just going to throw meatballs up for you. But – This is also the really cool thing that I like about being an Astros fan now is that we actually can sit back and say that a game like this is unacceptable. Dial it back like three or four years, and this was the norm. Yeah, so this happened to me again or before. I took one of the grandkids to the game on Father's Day, and Cyanel Perez gave up seven runs in an inning, and they weren't warming anybody up. And I was like, what are you doing? And then uh, we end up, and and they bring them back out. And that was the only game. Now, I went to games in the 
late nineties. And then me and my wife have been going since 2013. And this is the first time that father's day game father's day game was the first time I ever left early. I left in the seventh inning. I've never left early before. Cause even if they lose, I'm there to have fun. I'm there to enjoy the baseball game and all the things that happen between the innings. But I just felt like it's late and I have a three-hour drive ahead of me. I'm not going to sit through this and struggle in the morning, Monday morning at work, just so you can not try to win. So it's happened before. Yeah, and, and that's perfectly. I've been there too. There have been multiple times where, you know, I'll take my son out to the ball game, and I think I, w- I actually think I was at that same uh, Perez game because I really wanted to see Perez go and do well. But after about the third inning, when he's still getting shelled, it's kind of like as a fan, you throw your hands up in the air and be like, I mean, like, I don't want to sit here and and watch myself suffer. You know, I'm not a sadist. So so you got the Hawaiian shirt? Yeah. I gave then it to you my, went. Yeah, I gave it to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today, today it finally ended. The bleeding stopped. Your boy, Grinky. Mm-hmm. Seven innings, four hits, one run, picks up win number two hundred. Man, he was he was dominant on the mound today. That's the only thing that you can say. I mean, effective, kept the ball low. Six six strikeouts in seven innings. He actually went this is the longest he's been in a game as an Astro. He went finally went seven innings. Uh, each game before that was only six, but it only took him 91 pitches to get through this game. And an astonishing 59 of those pitches were, sh- were strikes. That's, yeah. that's effective. So uh, I think the Grinky game, that's what, that's what me and Wheelhouse called it, the first one. I think you went to it. No, he did when they gave the shirts away. Yeah. And uh, – when he pitched, where did he pitch again? He pitched sometime against uh, against the White Sox. Yeah, he pitched yeah. the White Sox on Tuesday. So I haven't seen him pitch yet. This is the first time I've seen him in an Astros uniform, and it was awesome. It was awesome to see him out there in that uniform, and it was awesome to see him pitch as good as he did today. And uh, if you are done talking about Grinky, you can – uh, talk about him a little more if you feel like it. But what about Alex Bregman today? We'll see that. Four I, for four. Yeah, that to me, he is the one that we need to focus on from this game. Like, Granky's great, but Bregman finally broke out of his funk and he's continued his torrid August today. I mean, and the dude is on fire and he's quietly on fire. Everybody else is talking about guys like Michael Brantley or Yuri Guriel, and rightfully so. But Bregman is yes. having the best month of baseball that he's had all season. And he's coming off of a really terrible July, too, where he only hit 233. Right now, he's hitting 442. He's already got three, four home runs, and he's already got 20 RBIs on the month. That's insane. So is this matching up with the timetable of Hinch moving him to the fourth spot? Because it seems to me, as soon as he moved him to the fourth spot, it changed. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, back whenever he was hitting out of the number three, I feel like he was a little off kilter, off sorts. And uh, yeah, this is lining up exactly right. August 1st is when he finally got moved to the number four spot. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see that coming, but something... See, a lot of people want to question Hinch, but something about the situation called for him to want to move Bregman to the four hole for some reason. I don't know if I would have thought of doing that, but it worked. Yeah, absolutely. And the dude's been nothing but crushing it ever since. And he has guys in front of him. I think what really helps out is having a guy like Michael Brantley right in front of you, you know, um, go back to the, that Cleveland series when he initially did get put into the fourth spot, the guy went, you know, um, he raised his average from 259 to 265. He had uh, at least three RBIs in that game or in that series, and then ever since never looked back. This is the best yeah. month that uh, Bregman is having since June, which was his, uh, or I'm sorry, not June, was it since May. And May is when he hit 24 RBIs in one month. So yeah. we're not even through the month yet, and he's already at 20. 
So to match Grinky's awesome start, the offense was there. Uh, we only win four to one, but seven out of nine Astros got a hit today. Would you? Wouldn't you expect more than four runs when you're getting all those hits? Yeah, and that's uh, another thing that's really kind of the bane of the Astros' existence. First off. Alvarez had a very uncharacteristic game today, going 0 for 5, three strikeouts, and stranding seven guys on base. That is not Jordan Alvarez numbers. Those are so something I think he might be affected by a little bit of fatigue right now. He might need, you know, a day off or at least this time zone thing is kind of messing with him. But um, 22 guys left on base for the Astros as a whole, that needs to get cleaned up. Yeah, um, I guess it can't go forever, but maybe coming from AAA, I believe they play less games, and I'm not sure if they play 17 games in a row and travel through three time zones in a row. Right. So maybe he is just wore out. It would only make sense because like that to me already sounds taxing, and I'm not even a baseball player. Like 17 games straight, and then on top of that, you have – a uh, nine was how many games nine game streak where you have to play on the road one of which is a double header like that's that's just insane to me yeah i think it was 10 yeah it is 10 they played uh three against chicago let me see am i even writing this four three against chicago Mm -hmm. four against the a's Mm mm-hmm and then three in Baltimore. Yeah. So, I mean, a nine so look- game. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say what, what, what looks bad for the Astros starting this road trip and what's forgotten by some is that they won the first two games in Baltimore, but since they lost the last game, so they, they, they win two out of three and then they take the first one against Chicago and then, then it goes downhill. But we'll get to it later. But the Astros are still the third best team in baseball. I mean, if not the first in our hearts, and we know the truth, but as far as winning percentage. Yeah. And I mean, again, look, to take another caveat from this uh, win, look at what just happened in the bullpen. You had Osuna come out, pitch a clean inning, and he got the save. Ryan Presley did the same exact thing, came out, pitched a nice clean inning, got the save. You're looking at a bull, again. You're looking at a bullpen that's super dominant. Once you have a starter go through the seventh inning, so there's there's plenty of takeaways that we need to have uh, coming from the bullpen and coming from this game as a whole. You had so many things that are on the up and up for the Astros, and that's even coming into the late August. Like I would be super worried if we're not having guys that are picking up you know, their average, picking up the pace, and leaving guys on base. That, to me, would sense panic. Right now, I'm not even panicking. I'm remotely – I'm the farthest away from panicking right now. Yeah, I believe uh, Thursday, Sanchez gave up six runs, so the bullpen gave up one. Friday, the bullpen pitched almost six innings and gave up one run. Uh, Saturday was their only bad game, and then Sunday was good. So three out of the last four games – Lights out bullpen. Exactly. And the only thing that we have to worry about is the starting pitching, which that gets that gets round out eventually. I mean, you – yeah. And then the only other thing is you, those left on base. You, 22 men left on base, that's, that's just not acceptable. Yeah. So the Astros are 79 and 46. Uh, the lead over Oakland is now 7.5. I'm not even going to talk about anyone else in the West because they are all gone. Mm-hmm. And even with the the losing streak, Astros are four and six in their last ten. Uh, so it's the Yankees six fifty nine, Dodgers six fifty one, Astros six thirty two. Mm. So you're looking at the two seed at the playoff started today. Uh, I know the Yankees were getting shelled uh, back when they were getting a lot of runs scored, but they're holding on to that first spot. So apparently their offense is. Uh, picking them up and they're still winning games and see it's kind of like the reverse effect that the yankees have as the astros astros have starting pitching and i wouldn't even say a shaky bullpen they have you know a solid starting rotation and then they have a top tier bullpen the the yankees have a top tier hitting team i mean realistically all they do is hit home runs 
So yeah. like, if they're not hitting home runs, they ain't hitting. And then they have no starting pitching and a, the elite, you know, bullpen. So realistically, I don't see that helping them. And they lost today too. They lost eight to four today. So they're a team that has their holes as well. They're, they are not the end-all, be-all, number one. If anything, there's only one team I fear, and that's the Dodgers. Yeah, so uh, I got on my notes here. No panic as far as for me, for the Astros. Uh, I mean, they lost. It was a bad road trip. But, you know, I know they're going to win the division. I know they're going to make the playoffs. You got Verlander, Cole. I don't know if you have an injury update on him. Uh, Wade Miley, a bad outing last time, but I have faith in him. And you have Grinky. And like you said, we have Will Harris, uh, Joe Smith, surprising all of us, mm-hmm. Osuna, Presley. I mean, how can you be worried about it? I mean, it's just, a, it's just August. The year we won the World Series, we went 11 and 18 in August. It's not a big deal. We'll recover no panic at all for me exactly and in kind of diverting off the astros and going against uh two teams that we're worried about in playoffs the yankees just finished off their series with the indians they split the ser- series with them they start a new series on the road with the uh athletics then they go to the Dodgers, and then they go to the mariners that's a crucial road trip for them to see how they can fare against teams that are playoff bound i'm not even i'm not counting the mariners as somebody who's playoff bound but you have the athletics who are going after the wild card you have the dodgers who are the number two team in the league and the yankees just got done with having their own you know their their own long win streak against two crappy teams the orioles and the blue jays before they met up with the indians they had a seven they had a total of seven games against the orioles and four games against the blue jays the last two weeks. So you want to talk about a team that's like benefiting from terrible, you know, opponents to buff that, that win streak. We're going to see what the Yankees are made of after this uh, road stand. And then going over to the Dodgers, we already know that they have to face off on the Yankees later in the week this week, but they also have to go up against some pretty good talent in the Dodge or the San Diego Padres later next week. And then they also face off on the Blue Jays. So you got two teams that are fairly – they're making a push in both the Athletics and the Padres uh, to, for the wild card. And the Yankees are going to meet the Dodgers. So we're going to really see what this team is made of and see if there is even – you know, is there more to the opponents that they faced with that – you know, with that number, uh, record that they have or are they actually not what they seem? Yeah, I think the team that they have is good, but you're gonna you're uh, building up a record against subpar teams. But when you get to the playoffs, just like you said, they split with the Indians. I mean, that's the kind of teams you're gonna play. You're not gonna play Baltimore. You're not gonna play Toronto. Just like we played the the A's. I mean, we're gonna play tough teams. So, you know, I think we've said it before. You match up with the Astros in a seven game series. Good luck. Exactly. That's the, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people are not taking into account is that when we hit the playoffs, we're, we're talking about seven-game series. We're not talking about three games uh, to an opponent that is in the middle of the Midwest after we play a doubleheader. Like, it's not, that's, not how we're gonna, that's not how the playoffs are going to play out. You're going to have Verlander, you're going to have Cole, Granke, and Miley as your one, two, three, four that's formidable and i can't tell if i can't say yes we're gonna win that entire series but i can say that the odds are more in our favor than they would be against somebody like the yankees or even the red Sox or the or the rays who are actually number two in that division right so also you're not going to play in three different time zones you're not going to play 17 games in a row Mm -hmm. you're going to play two games you're going to have a day off then you're going to play some more games you're going to have plenty of time off where you're not going to have Rogelio Armonteros <laughs> pitch a game in the playoffs and bring Devo in to give up three runs the following inning. That's not going to happen. We're not going to lose games like that because we're going to be rested. You're going to have days off, and the game's more important. 
So I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about this horrible road trip. I'm happy to get it over with. I'm happy for the Astros to get back home. Twitter beef is my next bullet point. (laughs) So I don't know how much drives you crazy when watching the games. And so it's kind of like, it's not like, it doesn't bother me if people talk bad about the Astros. Doesn't bother me at all. You're a fan and you can act and say whatever you want because that's your life. The Astros are part of your life and you react how you want. I don't care. If you never say a bad word about the players, good. If you get mad, good. I don't care. But what I don't like is all these people trying to one-up people. The people that are trying to tell people, oh, well, you must have just been a fan since 17 or you haven't been around since 1963 when they were the 45s. And, you know, everybody's just trying to outfan everybody. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of bandwagon fans. Where I work, I used to be the only guy. Maybe there was two other ones that wore Astros hats. And now they're everywhere. It used yeah. to be Rangers hats. There's bandwagon and it's going to happen. But I don't need to prove myself to anybody And I never talk bad about how people are fans. You be a fan however you want. Exactly. And I really hate the term bandwagon fan only just because it's like they make it seem like it's bad to be that. And not everybody is going to be a fan of one team at a certain point. Like nobody is going to look at the Astros in 2011 through 2015 and be like, you know what? that's the team I want to root for because nobody knows them. But you have like this young crowd that's starting to move into the, you know, away from football into baseball. They see these young kids having fun in guys like judge or trout or Bregman or Baez from the Cubs. You know, they see these guys just having a blast and they want to gravitate to somebody that they can actually, you know, associate with. So when I see, and this actually kind of, bleeds on through to like mid-range age kids too and i call them kids because we're all kids when we watch baseball but you know you know these mid-range guys that are just like you know i i really love the astros they're winning right now they got a solid team it's like dude look climb aboard We'll, we'll i have plenty of stuff for you guys on the bandwagon because the more fans that we have that just proves yeah. that espn the big time outlets they can't ignore houston anymore They can't just sit there. And the one thing that kind of got me all fired up on Twitter was MLB put out this uh, who's the rookie of the year this year. And it was like Fernando Tatis and then two other guys. I think one was like a a Yankee and the other one was a Dodger. And I was like, how how can you not even put Jordan in this? And, you know, with more fans and everything, you're going to have more people saying it's Jordan, it's Jordan. That just means more all-star game appearances for certain people, more, you know, accolades for other people. It's, I don't see the bad thing about having a bandwagon fan. Yeah. So you have, uh, you also have the fair weather fan mm-hmm. and that would be someone that likes the Astros. You could be an Astro fan, but If they played every day like they did Saturday, if that was the product, if our five starting pitchers were Armanteros and Devo and all these other guys and we didn't have what we had, you know, like, are you a bad fan? Are you a fair weather fan? If you're not going to spend three, four hundred dollars in a weekend to go watch the product. I mean, I don't blame someone like, why would you want to go? Of course, the attendance is up now. But actually, the attendance, I, I saw a story about the attendance going down, and the number one reason was ticket prices. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it takes me almost $200 to go see an Astros game. You know, ticket prices, and then food, and then, you know, parking and everything. So it's just like, unless you don't want to do anything, unless you just want to buy tickets and go, which more power to you if that's what you can do but if you have a family if you have kids that want to go like ticket prices are outrageous and it becomes a thing to where you can only go once a month when you know two years ago i could just go on a friday during a day game or a wednesday during a day game and have a hot dog and i'm walking out 
forty bucks light, and that's it. Yeah, I usually spend anywhere between fifty and seventy, sometimes eighty. I've spent I spent a hundred for a ticket before, and uh, but it's something I enjoy. I don't live there, so I try to go once a month. I go, I'll go on Saturday, spend the night, and go on Sunday. So the ticket prices aren't affecting me. Uh, I did notice when the season started, uh, this other f- couple friend of ours, we go to the, we've been going for like seven years together, at least one time a year. And the tickets we usually buy that were about $61, they were in the nineties. And so that forced me to go buy, go on Facebook and start buying my tickets. Cause I mean, the Astros tickets on their website are pretty outrageous now compared to what they used to be. And I'm sure that's keeping some people away. But the fact that they're winning is filling the stadium. If they weren't winning, it would be empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I All just, right. Oh, good. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I just think it's it's crazy to say that some people are fair weather fans. You don't. Nobody knows the exact reasoning why somebody's not watching the game or can't go to a game. So that's the last thing I was gonna say. Yeah, but like, yeah, like you said. I mean, like. $200 to go to a game and they're, they're not even trying to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to spend money to go, but it was like, for me, going to an Astros game is like going out of town. It's something to do. There's certain restaurants we go to. We spend the night. We go drinking after the game. So it's like a, a little mini vacation for us. It's not like I live in town and I'm going three times a week, you know, which would slow down, I guess, if you if you did live in town, you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to spend four or $500 a week or whatever, watching a sorry team. But anyway, speaking of watching games at Minute Maid Park, the Astros will be back home on Monday. Four games against the Detroit Tigers. Would you say we should win these games? I think so. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we split the series, it will be, It'll be probably either based on the fact that our bats are light or our bullpen blows it. But, yeah, this should be a four-game sweep. Okay, so you have Wade Miley, who was Mr. Consistent, although he had a bad game. Tuesday, you have Sanchez, who had a bad game. So you got two guys coming off bad games. You got Verlander coming off a great game. And then Thursday, you have to be determined, is that – the hole where Cole's going to come back, if the, if he's coming back anytime soon? Yeah, early reports are saying that he's fine and he should be coming back soon. Um, I don't think that they're ready to 100% peg him as, you know, for the reasoning for this to be announced. But that, that to me is where Cole is going to come back, is on the 22nd. Okay, so if you follow that rotation... Uh, after Cole, man, I can't even think right now. So you got Miley Sanchez, Grinky. Verlander, Cole, Grinky. So Grinky would be Friday, mm-hmm. which means I, because I'm going to the game on Saturday, I would get Wade Miley, mm-hmm. which, which should be a fast night. So hopefully, so Miley's going to pitch Monday and Saturday. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully he gets it out of his system and he pitches good on Saturday. Um, I can't even remember my record this year. I guess I can look that up while you're talking. But uh, so you still think it should be a sweep, even though we're not hit. We got Sanchez, Miley, and then it to be determined. You still see think, a sweep with that? I say I say it should be a sweep, but I see us winning three of one. I think either uh, Sanchez, something's going to happen on the Tuesday game, or something's going to happen on the Thursday game. Be it you know. Cole just has a bad outing due to his injury, um, you know, coming back a little rusty from his injury. But I think we're going to win the series regardless. I think we're going to walk away with a three and one, if not a sweep, moving into the Angels. And that that series should be a very interesting series. Yeah, I should. Uh, I will. I'll definitely take three out of four. Uh, so I, I'm looking at my ballpark app. I don't know if you have this. Most people do because you now you get your tickets on the ballpark app. So I went in April. They beat the A's nine to eight. Uh, May twelfth, I think that was Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. We beat the Rangers fifteen to five. May twenty fifth, we beat the Red Sox four to three. So I was three and zero. Oh. 
And then the Red Sox won that Sunday game, three and one. And then the Blue Jays destroyed us twelve to nothing. Me and my wife went again. They beat Texas again four to three on July nineteenth. I don't even know why we went. I think I was off of work. So I've lost two games this year. So not bad. Not bad. Well, I didn't lose them. <laughs> <laughs> they lost them. So what do you think? I know you were talking earlier about uh Bregman and uh but Brantley, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, 50 multi-hit games, which which means he at least has 100 hits already, and a 335 average. Uh, they had the Stroll poll today. I want to bring this up before you answer. Who would you vote for in the Strolls poll, if you're familiar with what I'm asking you? I actually was unable to watch today. I was at a wedding. so. Oh, yeah. All right, so today's Stroll poll was like, if you're a young kid, or I can't remember, or you're an adult, I don't know, or maybe you're a player, but who, like, who would you want to learn how to hit from? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was Brantley, Spr- uh, Springer, Alvarez, and uh, Brantley, Springer, Alvarez, and Brantley. And so my, I, my wife said, Brantley. So it's amazing that my wife doesn't know half the things we know, but she answered it Brantley. I thought it was Brantley, and Brantley won the Stroll poll. Nice. I, that would probably be the one guy that I would want to learn from. I'd actually have to look that up to be sure what it was, but it, it was something like that. As a kid, who would you want to look up to or learn, learn from or something like that? But definitely, definitely Brantley. Yeah. So Alvarez, who's sitting also sitting at 335, 19 homers, 55 RBIs, and a slow road trip. He did have six hits against Baltimore. So you have this doubleheader in Chicago, the four-game series in Oakland, which which makes it, me personally, I forgot that Alvarez had six hits against Baltimore. Because all I know is he had one against Chicago and only two against Oakland. Mm-hmm. But we already hit on that. We said it was road rage. Yeah. Not road rage, but road tired and tiredness. Okay, so do you have any plans to go to any more games? Uh, I actually really want to try to go to one of these Tampa games uh, next week. I don't know if that's going to happen. So um, if not that, my birthday is in September. Uh, and we'll, they'll have an off day, but more likely than not, I'll try to be going to one of those Angels games um, later in the year, or later in September, since my uh, birthday's on the... Well, oh, wait, they're actually in Seattle that day. My birthday's on well, September 24th, so I'll probably just go to the weekend series before that. Yeah, so you're not going to that one. So, <laughs> yeah. do you, so let me ask you this about giveaways. So Saturday, they're giving away... Uh, the uh, Colin McHugh dodge, dodging the ball. I don't know what it's called, but where he moves out of the way. And this one is actually a 1500 or a 15,000 fan giveaway. So hopefully, I mean, I don't want to be getting there four hours before the gates open. And, uh, but let me ask you this. You got those two Mondays that they're giving away the rings. Do you have any desire to go get one of those? No. Um, I had so many. I went to like three last year to get one of those rings. I'm I'm kind of ringed out. So how many rings? Do you have any rings from last year? I have two. Uh, one for me oh, okay. and uh, one that I still need to send to one of my friends because he wasn't able to go. Okay. Yeah, I have two myself. I took a uh, an eight-year-old grandkid with me. And so I, I paid $85 for my ticket, so I wasn't about to give that away. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I got two. But anyway, I've said it before on one of the podcasts that uh, I'm going to get two of those bobbleheads maybe, and then I'm going to trade one to Wheelhouse for a ring. Because I do want the ring. I don't know why, but I want it. If I don't get it, I don't care. So let me tell you this. I actually uh, – I don't have any more notes now. Now we're just talking Astros, but I don't, I don't, uh, when I found out they're having a bobble bobblehead giveaway on the day I'm going, I was kind of upset 
I was kind of like, oh, man, I just wanted to walk over there at five o'clock and go in. But now there's probably going to maybe not because it's uh, Colin McHugh, but it is a bobblehead and some jerks sell them. But hopefully it won't be a a huge mess out there like it was when me and my wife went and got an Altuve one one time because I'll never do that again. Yeah. No, the, none of the bobbleheads really kind of interest me. I, I've always wanted to be one of those guys that's collected those, but um, I've just never been able to – I'm kind of weird in the sense that, like, if I don't get the first one of a collection, then I'm not going to go out and buy it, and I might as well not, like, start my collection. Um, but, yeah, not, none of the bobbleheads really interest me. And, uh, you know, to be completely honest, I'm not a giveaway guy. Like the the rings were like the only thing I really wanted to go get. None of yeah. the other things kind of like ever strike my interest. Because if it's a jersey or anything, it's always big, and I'm never gonna wear it. Nah, uh, if it's a hat, it's always not the kind of hat that I like, and I'm very particular with a lot of things. So I'm kind of just like, eh, it's no big deal. That's why, like, when I went to the, I think it was the Wade Miley game that they were giving away. Um, Nolan Ryan the jersey. jersey. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got one, and I just shipped it over to Wheelhouse because I, I don't need it. I'm not going to wear it. Yeah, I think Wheelhouse has the real deal. So, yeah, we went to the Father's Day game and got the Hawaiian shirts. And uh, I guess since I was out of town, I'm like, well, I paid money. I didn't go for the Hawaiian shirt, but since I was there, I made sure I got there early enough to get one. Mm-hmm. And uh, But... Me and my wife have a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we went on Father's Day and got like a cooking set. Mother's Day, like a pink hat. We got a lot of stuff. Most of them is from the old days when you can just stroll in at about 6.30 and get whatever they're giving away. Uh, those are the good old days. Uh, but that's all I have. But what do you got to add to the end of the show here for the Astros? Uh, really just... I'm kind of really – I'm excited about these next couple of series that are coming up, mainly just because of the uh, the games at play. They're going to be here at home. We're finally going to see a team possibly come in home, feel rested, relaxed. And also I'm really excited to see that Tampa Bay series. If uh, memory serves me right, this might be the first time that we've seen Tampa since the very beginning of the season, and it's a completely different Tampa team. This is a Tampa team that's you know, trying to go after a playoff spot. They're number two in the division, and they're battling uh, the Red Sox right now to keep that number two position. So, you know, wild card, number I think two. they beat us three out of four at the beginning of the year, right? And they did because everybody was, you know – ready to push the the panic button then that we were just not going to have it this year. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, this, that series I'm really looking forward to because I want to see what the Astros can do there. Um, I'm also really excited to see how Miley and Sanchez come off of their, you know, previous performances. They were probably not ideal for either one of those guys. So I want to see them bounce back. And uh, I'm really excited to see what Cole can do when he gets back from his injury. And I am also excited that I return to day shift on Monday and I will be able to watch all of these games. No more iPhone to Apple Watch alerts. I will finally get to watch the games. That's that's the only thing that we can ever ask for because if anything, you have the really good winning streak so far as far as when you're able to watch the games. So you got to keep that up. It's superstition. That's all about baseball. I was going to point that out that they lost all these games, but I wasn't watching. So maybe it was me. Maybe it was me, Astros. I'm back. You know, (laughs) I did that. I did that once when we went to watch them play the Rangers in Arlington. Uh, Texas had won the first two games. And Dallas Keuchel was on the mound. And I actually posted my picture, and I put, your Astros, your good luck charm is here. And they got shelled. Oh, well. So maybe I'm not a good luck charm. <laughs> All right, James. Well, I appreciate you joining me on the old podcast here. Uh, there was no beard scruff, so that new headset you got worked out just fine. And uh, we appreciate everyone out there for listening. If you do have a chance, go give us a rating, especially if it's a five star. Give us a rating. Uh, I worked on some new uh logos today i think we might replace that logo i came up with before 
to uh, ignore, not to uh, to avoid some uh, copyright infringements. You know, just in case we make it big someday, so y'all can enjoy those. But give us the rating, five star. Give us a a uh, review if you can. And also, I was going to plan on doing a giveaway. I've been making some shirts, but now since I have the new logo, we're going to keep that. I am going to make some kind of shirt or a hat or something, and we're going to give it away on the show, and we'll tell you about that as soon as we figure it out. That sounds awesome. All right, from Rob and James, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Rob and Wheelhouse Show. See ya. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.